Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash fmlfpl. Okay, welcome to another FML Field Fireside Chat. I'm very happy to welcome back on the pod, Carl Anker from The Athletic and the co-writer with Marcus Rashford of You Are a Champion. Carl, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, you know, getting by, getting by. <laughs> FPL causing way, me all kinds of problems, as usual. The told. only way is through, which is yes. the very nice Under Armour slogan that I keep saying all the time. <laughs> yeah, and we go again also just answers every question right i use a lot of we move we move yeah that can be that could be my answer just default we move we move that's life we move, we move. <laughs> so last time you were on you were southampton's athletic guy and now you've moved up in the table to manchester united's guy and i think we're gonna spend the majority of this time talking about manchester united oh goody <laughs> I'm sure you haven't spent any time in the last, you know, two weeks talking about Ronaldo or Ole or anything. So now's a great time. I mean, Manchester United just played. Wait a minute, what? We lost against (laughs) young boys. Oh man, the youngest of the boys. Yeah, it didn't go great there. But um, I think just you know, we are still an FPL pod. We should just start with Ronaldo. He's going to score a lot of goals. He's yep. going to score a lot of FPL points. Everyone's bringing him into his team. He's divisive. He's controversial. He's box office. When we scheduled this fireside chat, United were just off of a draw with Southampton. They were just off of a win against the run of play against Wolves. And then everything popped off. <laughs> Transfer window drama. Ronaldo's in... He's the villain. He's loved. He's hated. He, it's everything. So, how's it going so far? What do you even make it? What do you make of it so far? <laughs> uh, I think so. On, on the Friday morning, when it looked as if he was joining Manchester City, I, in true, uh, you know, cringe style, I, I did a tweet thread saying Manchester United have bigger things to worry about. Than, increasingly, than an increasingly immobile 36-year-old who can't enjoy a bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> and then I, I said, I can understand why it would hurt for Manchester United, for, for Ronaldo to join Manchester City. Because I said, you know, Ronaldo was probably the last time, was probably the last world-class player, or the last best-in-the-world player to play for Manchester United. And he was there at a time when Manchester United were the best team, football team in the world. So... Right. That's probably why he's fondly remembered. Uh, and the idea of the, the, you know, there was always that half idea that Ronaldo was, was going to come back. Right. So there were three, there were three transfer stories that have always happened with Manchester United every, every single year. One, Wesley Schneider is going to join United, <laughs> which, which never happened. The other yeah. one was, uh, Sergio Ramos. Oh, okay. Which, which never happened. Sergio Ramos joining Manchester United was a United story basically the moment Ronaldo left in 2009. You can even check the Google trend. Wow. Um, and the third one was always Cristiano Ronaldo was going to come back, right? And there were loads and loads of articles about Ronaldo's coming back. And I think every other month or every other transfer window was this whole, Nike's going to part fund the deal. <laughs> uh, and I just thought it was never going to happen. So I said, you know, I thought, 
it's going to hurt because Ronaldo joining Manchester City would definitively end any hope he would come back to Manchester United. Right. And also the fact that it would also probably definitively end any hope that Manchester United could get to that world-class, best-in-the-world state ever again. Right. Because, you know, if, if, if there was a player out there who was there the last time you were the best football team in the world and you always sort of hope he'd come back, the idea that he'd go to your Crestown rivals probably means like, nope, you're never going to be the best team in the world, at least not in this way. Right. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been, I make no mis, I make no hiding of the fact that I'm a, I'm a man who likes, you know, Daryl Morey style squad building uh, and slightly esoteric squad accumulation. And whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I thought, you know, I'm not too fast about Ronaldo going away. I said, I was more focused on Manchester United players and more, right fascinated on how Manchester United become the best football team in the world without Ronaldo um, to which I'm always banging on saying what well, United probably need a holding midfield or two right. and then so that was me in the morning of the Friday and then by the afternoon Ronaldo signed <laughs> uh, and I just went oh okay god damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like something the, the, the young boy and everyone, the young Manchester United fan and everyone, sort of like our generation, came alive with that transfer, with everything just happening in that way and just bringing back, like you said, the good old days, like, you know, winning, winning the title every year, winning the treble, Ronaldo scoring, you know, crazy goals, like all that stuff just came, came rushing back for everyone. Yeah, I think there's, there's a huge, It was a huge groundswell of emotion around that deal. I think there was a number of United fans thinking, this is it. If, you know, if Ronaldo was there the last time you were the best football team in the world and you're, current, you're currently going, hmm, who's going to help us bridge the gap between right. us sort of like being Europa League finalists, runners up and being one of the best football teams in the world. I can see why a, lot, a number of Manchester United fans go, oh, Ronaldo's here. Now we're, it's, it's no, no more time being contenders. Now it's time yeah. to properly start winning things. Uh, I can also understand why there were, you know, slight unease about Ronaldo's homecoming, and also, you know, slight like, wait, how does this? How is this going to work? Right. So, to this day, I mean, ever since his arrival, on, well, ever since the announcement on August twenty seventh, I've been just looking at team sheets and going, how United have so many good attacking players. You begin to go, how do you fit all of them in? Right. So. Uh, even before Ronaldo arrived, they wrote an article on The Athletic, which, you know, is part of our best 11 series. And I sort of said, before I start, I want to put on my tin hat for when you will get very mad at me because <laughs> even though there's so many good attacking players, that means one of them, unfortunately, has to put, go on the right. bench. And the one I put on the bench was, unfortunately, Marcus Rashford. Mm. Um, and I think now Ronaldo's here on top. That yeah, means there's basically every, sing- every single game Manchester United have now, there's going to be at least... Well, when everyone's fit, every single game Manchester United have, there will be at least one high quality best of a generation or one of the better football players of their generation style attacking player on the bench, which is promising if you're a Manchester United fan. And if you're making FBL, that means, you know, now now is probably the time to have at least one United player in your FBL at all times. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a bad thing to have depth, but it, it's definitely a puzzle for the manager. And that's, that is where I wanted to go next, which is just how does he fit in the team? How does he improve the team? Does he improve the team? Which I think a lot of 
people were kind of saying, well, Cavani is there, Green was there, you know, like, do we need this? And, you know, what does he, does he elevate Manchester United in your mind from, like you said, you know, Europa League runners up and, you know, top four, but not really title contenders? Like, does he elevate them from where they were? Kind of. Yeah. So I'm often looking into this. I think this is an American sporting concept, which is which basically buying wins. Mm. Or like your, yeah. You know, wins above wins. replacement in baseball. Yeah. Wins above replacement, whatnot. And Jaden Sancho, when he turned up at United, I was like, sweet. That is buying yeah. a lot of wins. Right. Yeah. So if you look at United last season, 20, you know, 2020, 21 season, they were, they defended in this middle block. So the back four was halfway between the halfway line and the penalty area. They're holding midfielders with McFred mostly. So it's got Fred and Scott McTominay yep. broke up player and kept things rather simple. And nearly all of their attacks went down the left-hand side. So Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandes would all drift left. And that was doing that because they didn't have a, a right winger. Right. Uh, so it was one of Dan James or Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood's a striker and he drifts inward. Yeah. Uh, and and Amaran Basaka is... Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be mean here. I'm gonna say he's, he's. Uh, it's okay. We're mean to him all the time. I'm gonna, I want to mean. I'll say he's, uh, he's, he's a, he's a black hole in possession, right? He's not, right. he's not, a, he's not an attacking threat, right? Uh, to the point that towards the end of last season, it was noticeable that a lot of football teams were just going mark everyone apart from Wan-Bissaka, right? Including you know, Villarreal. Villarreal, their whole tough line was like, yeah. you know what? You can just do what you want on the right hand side because right. I know Green, like we know Green was going to drift inside. Then we'll deal with him, but. That right flank, we know Wambaseka can't cross the ball. We know his first touch isn't great. He's not a threat. Uh, I was at the so the weekend the Super League was announced uh, was the game where Manchester United played Burnley, right? Uh, and there was a moment where you know closed door game Old Trafford, and I I heard Sean Dyche tell one of his players leave him, oh just don't God. get just don't get cut through that don't get cut apart through the middle. Um, so I thought Jalen Sancho comes in amazing right so he's going to buy three or four wins because you just can't defend the United in the same way you yeah. were doing last season right totally. because he, he goes on the right hand side and he's such a great attacking player that you probably want to not only put one player to mark him but you probably want to get two Yeah, which creates space for everyone else right. if not Jaden Sancho can beat your other player so I'm like right. Sancho's going to buy two or three more wins so I thought right. if you looked at last season's games, the defeat against Sheffield United probably doesn't happen if Jaden Sancho's there. Right. There are some draws last season at home. Probably gonna happen when Jaden Sancho's there. Yeah, the draws are, are what I was gonna reference also. It's like you have the amazing away record, but then it's like eleven draws last season, twelve draws the season before. The pace that City and Liverpool are at, like that you're never gonna win the league at that yeah. rate. So yeah, yeah. So I thought Sancho, great, gonna buy loads of wins. Rafael Varano went, hmm. You buy some wins. Yeah. He's better than Victor Lindelof. No question. I was questioning how many more. So I think some some uh, very good analytics profiles basically said he's roughly worth four four wins to a Manchester United team. Whereas quite a few club, you know, quite a few statistics were not thought Camavinga would be worth six. Mm. Um, and I, I very much thought if you if United were going to go buy another player after Sancho, the priority would have been a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And to just persist with Lindelof and whatnot. So far, Varane's been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's played a lot of football very quickly. And he is so quick and so good at delaying and marshalling the space. That's not been a problem. Ronaldo comes in and you're going, wait, 
what? Right. Now, we know for a fact Manchester United didn't plan to bring back Cristiano Ronaldo. Right, yeah. Solskjaer has admitted this already. Part one reason why they went for it is, is because City, they thought Manchester City were going to go do it. You know, we know for a fact Alex Ferguson basically called up club officials at United and went, <laughs> like, raised hell and said, you absolutely cannot <laughs> let this happen. It will, there will be, you know, that he, I think the term was there will be hell to pay. Oh my God. Um, so this was, you know, on a, on a logistical term, that's amazing, right? It's yeah, amazing yeah. watching all the, you know, all the cogs click into gear totally. very, 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 very quickly to get a player of Ronaldo's talent, which makes you wonder, well, why have you not done this when other very good play- football players have been available? Right. But never mind. Um, but it's that thing of Ronaldo buys maybe two more wins that you would have seen last season. Yeah. I think the good thing about Ronaldo is it probably, it, I think it, it probably brings an end to, to any, oh no, we're just waiting for Martial to get his shooting boots, right? So, right. Solskjaer's been very kind to Anthony Martial. He very clearly wants Anthony Martial to come good. He's still giving Anthony Martial game time, despite the fact that Martial's in some of the worst form of his life. But also now, it's not a case of Cavani can't play we'll have to rely on Martial. Fingers right. crossed Martial comes good. It's just, oh, right. Cavani can't play. Ronaldo's going to play instead. Right. Which, Ronaldo's a better striker than Anti-Martial. He's, yep. he's probably a better striker than Edison Cavani. For sure. Um, if yeah. not everything, but there's definitely four or five things where we know Ronaldo's better than Cavani. Yeah. Um, and it just means in the games that Cavani can't play, which they will be quite, you know, I, there will be three or four because he's very much listens to his body. He's ultra-professional yeah. and he's, he can't, well, I'm not going to say he can't play two games a week, but if he doesn't think he can play two games a week, yeah. he will tell you. Yeah. And then there is nothing you can do about that. <laughs> um, because he's not he's not a sort of football player to take painkillers to, to play a game of football. That's right. his prerogative and all power to him. Fair enough. So Ronaldo solves that sort of problem as who's going to play striker in games that Cavani can't, or indeed who's going to play games ahead of Cavani. It does cause questions as to is Mason Greenwood going to have to spend the entire season on the right-hand side, or is he going to be able to play those games as a number nine? I think Ronaldo also opens up the door to United playing more with the front two, if that works. Because, I mean, theoretically, that'd be quite fun. Mm. You know, Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo playing up front next to Marcus Rashford with a mm. runner would be quite yeah. interesting. Anthony Martial, you know, Martial loves a one-two, uh, even though he probably loves it too much and it's quite obvious <laughs> where it goes, but it's fine. So that that's potential. And, and I'd also be interested to see Ronaldo playing up front with, with Mason Greenwood as well. Right. So that's potentially interesting. And that probably offers new attacking ways, formations or whatnot. He's going he's gonna to score a lot of goals. Uh, he's probably going to score 20 That's the thing, right? Because it, no, I don't think anyone, Manchester United fan or not, thinks that Ronaldo helps balance the team or fixes mm-hmm. a need in that, you know, sort of FIFA, I need this position, I'm going to buy this guy type of thing. Yeah, type of this is the question, thing. right? So we've just, we've just seen this happen at Juventus, right? So yes. Juventus, years and years and years, getting closer to the Champions League. Yes. Right, so they lose to Real Madrid in the Champions League to Ronaldo. Go, they lose to Barcelona, and they're going. They they just need someone to right bridge there. that gap and win the Champions League. And they went, you know what? Let's go out and buy the guy that knocked us out of the Champions League to Ronaldo. And they got worse. They finished fourth or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> and it's that. And it's. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to say it's because of Ronaldo. Uh. I will say Ronaldo still scored, you know, 
20 goals. He yeah. still was one of the highest, but you know, still was one of the better strikers in the world, still scored a lot of goals. But the manner in which Ronaldo scores goals, he's a very ball dominant attacker yeah. now, right? So he, he can drop deep and into play and do quick one twos, but his hold up play is not on par with some of the better players with their backs towards goal. You know, he's, he's not, he's not Romelu Lukaku who ended no. up dethroning Juventus within yeah. Milan. Uh, he's, the way I'll put it nicely is Cristiano Ronaldo now applies the punctuation mark at the end of a sentence when I'm writing a story about how a goal happened, right? So I go, yes. Daibar did this and this and this and this and this and then came Cristiano Ronaldo and mm. be an exclamation mark or whatnot and whatnot and whatnot. Yeah. It's less of the goals we used to have in 2008, 2009, 2010 where Cristiano Ronaldo did this, juke this guy, did this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Juventus eventually became unbalanced, not just because they had to keep supplying Ronaldo with crosses, with passes, with a lot of movement to get those goals, but also because Ronaldo's salary was so big. Right. They had to let go of players that help that side become balanced, both in the first team and right. in squad depth. Now, Manchester United don't necessarily have the salary issues. Yeah, they, they seem okay there. <laughs> they seem okay there, but they will. there will be the question of, can you supply Ronaldo with what he needs? So... It's working out so far, you know, Paul Pogba, fantastic yeah. dynamic passer, yeah. Bruno Fernandes, uh, a man chronically addicted to passing the ball forward. So yeah. we're going to get that. But there were moments in that game against Newcastle where Ronaldo's going towards the back post where he loves to get those headed balls in. Uh, and Wan-Bissaka's trying to, you know, stood on the ball trying to get across it. And that cross isn't coming in because Wan-Bissaka's not that kind of player. Yeah. Or what you saw in that defeat against Young Boys where once United go down to 10 men, Cristiano Ronaldo, who is... 36 years of age and while still very very quick is not perhaps the most explosive yeah. forward anymore and he doesn't press and do all those things you need when you're down a man he's he's, he's the you know in the, he was in the bottom two percentage of presses in, right. in europe last season worth mentioning anthony marshall right. was in there too but it became <laughs> that thing of when you're down to 10 men cristiano Ronaldo's probably not the player you want to lead the line you probably right. want someone like lukaku or you probably want someone like mason greenwood or you probably want you probably want someone either lightning quick, very or very very good with their back towards goal. Um, and this is this is not a comment on. I am not saying these football players are better than Cristiano Ronaldo. I am saying if you are down to ten men and you are one nil down, you probably want someone like Olivier Giroud as the guy up front because <laughs> you can just but, pump it, just punt it long, and he's going to hold the ball up. And yeah. he's like, right, all right, I'm going to put all these guys in headlock and I'm going to wait for these midfielders to come up and, <laughs> and, and get the ball. And what I, what I thought you were going to say is you want Dan James. And I'm, I mean, not, I'm not, I'm not being facetious. Like you, you would have, Dan James yeah. would have been perfect for that game. You want so. Rashford and James countering like that, right? Is that not perfect? Like long balls yeah. over the top, they're running onto it that you can't stop that, which is another issue, I guess. But yeah, Ronaldo, good player. Goals are coming. Goals are coming. It, it's the goals it's, are good. He's going to score 20, 20, he's going to score 20 to 25 goals. It's yeah. what, how do United supply him with enough yeah. shots to get yeah. those 20 to 25 goals? I think that'll be okay. I think there's enough passes to do that. Yeah. And it's also the fact that is he getting those 20 to 25 goals at the expense of someone else? Which right. it's his own question. Mason Green would start the season well as well. So I don't think he's going to completely unbalance this team. I don't think he's going to unbalance this team any more so than say, Anti Martial was 
last season or, or say Edison Cavani was during parts of last season where Cavani was going, no, you need to give me some crosses rather mm. than what they were doing previously, which is mostly playing on the deck. Right. But that'll be the thing. And it will be a... And you can notice by the pause because I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> it will be a net positive, but I'm not sure if the 20 goals Cristiano Ronaldo is going to score this season in the league is what will take Manchester United from the 76 points they finished last season with to the 86, 90 I was going to say 96, yeah. yeah between right? Chelsea City I, and Liverpool, yeah. Between Chelsea City and Liverpool, I think anyone who's going to win the league will probably need 86 points minimum. Yeah, I, I think even more, honestly. Yeah. 86 yeah. to 90 points and then we can start saying you're going to win the league title and I think if you look at last year's the 76 points last year and the, and the way United dropped points I can say Jaden Sancho means you don't lose against Sheffield United Raphael Van means you don't draw against Everton and you mm. don't draw against uh, West Bromwich Arben. Cristiano Ronaldo means you probably beat Arsenal that still doesn't take you up to 86 right that's plus eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it's an interest. And I mean, this all leads me into a, a bigger, maybe talking point, which is the manager, which is, you know, the actual implementation of all these players that we're talking about and the systems. And, you know, how is he actually using Sancho? Is he using it in the way that you imagined when you were so excited that they transferred him in? Like so far, I would say not really. Um, how is he going to implement, you know, when Rashford comes back, is he straight back in? Is he, is that a mess? You know, is he going to be able to drop Ronaldo when maybe Ronaldo needs to be dropped? And how's the midfield going to work? There's so many questions. I feel like with how the team is actually going to play versus just looking at all the players and saying like, well, they have a lot of really good players. Mm -hmm. You you ever hear this coaching adage of so-and-so is a nice problem. Mm, Yeah. Good problem to have. It's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. So, uh, and you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has often spoke about his goalkeeping situation. It's a good problem he has David De Gea and Dean Henderson going head to head, and he hasn't quite right. decided number one. The problem with coaching good problems is that if you don't make a decision, they eventually become problems, right? And if you keep waiting, they eventually become bad problems, right? So, the goalkeeping situation last season was a nice problem to have. Dean Henderson was back; he was really young and hungry, and he was either going to push on David De Gea to improve or he was going to replace David De Gea entirely. Mm. And this is a nice problem. And Solskjaer plays it really well in that De Gea needs paternity leave because he's just had his first child. And, and Solskjaer's like, okay, bye. And he's like, Henderson, <laughs> Dino, you're in now. Yeah. Dean Henderson, unfortunately, isn't spectacular as yeah. a goalkeeper, right? He's, he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's good. He offers things that De Gea can't do, right? So United don't play with an offside track until Henderson comes in and basically creates an offside trap because he's constantly yelling mm. um, and he's a bit more confident and you're going okay alright so this is not you know he's he solved a nice problem he's yeah. no longer a problem and then you get the Europa League final and he starts the hair and you're going no 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 oh no <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you've, you've made a problem there I can't um, believe you've done this <laughs> right and this is you know, this is in part because Dean Anderson had a couple of slip-ups in, towards the end of last right. season. And De Gea was very calm, very, just like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to make any noise. I'm just going to wait my turn because my turn will come up. But Solskjaer's flip-flopping turned a nice problem into a problem. A which, eventually, which eventually caused a headache that, for depending on your viewpoint, is 
the reason why United lose that penalty shootout and mm. lose the Europa League really final. Right. United yeah. should have put that game, should have had a different game plan and should not have let that game go to penalties. But you can see how the nice problem changes there. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, he kind of has a nice problem at right back at the moment. So he's got Aaron Wan-Bissaka. We all know about his skills at uh, defensive things and basically allows United to, to play with this attacking front five yeah. um, and all six when, when Luke Shaw bombs up because he knows that Maguire is gonna, really good in his 1v1s. Lorraine's really good in his 1v1s. And Wan-Bissaka's really good in his 1v1s. So that's a nice problem, right? Yeah. And it's that thing of either Wan-Bissaka kicks on and learns his attacking stuff or, you know what? We'll bring on Dallo and see if Dallo can offer something. And if Dallo can, right. then they've got something in attack, right? That's a nice problem. You see how very quickly that can become a problem if neither Dallo shows the defensive stuff yeah. you need or the attacking stuff, how Wambasaka doesn't improve. Um, and I think you can see this again. There's like a, a, a similar nice problem right now with Jaden Sancho, right? right. Jaden Sancho can play on the left hand side. You can probably also play as a number 10. Uh, it's a nice problem that Sancho can play on the left-hand side and has played on the left-hand side yet. But also, the whole point of buying Jaden Sancho is to put him on the right. So <laughs> Fix the right-hand side. Yeah, yeah, so like, Solskjaer, can you just... Do the thing. No more no more nice problem, just pull the trigger. I think San- <laughs> I think Sancho will come good. I think he's he's had a disrupted preseason because he right. barely any, barely any game time over the Euros. He also got, was ill after um, after the tournament and turned up to tr- preseason slightly later right um so yeah, he didn't look match fit before the international break and then obviously he pulled out of england duty over the international break as well and he's still there or thereabouts i was very excited to see him play against young boys especially because yeah. he was on the right hand side he was on the right yep and then when Baseki gets sent off <laughs> and Solskjaer takes off Sancho to play Dallo, <laughs> I, I was very much like ah well nevertheless <laughs> uh which i think the Wambasaka red card was really painful because I was really excited to watch Sancho on the right hand side and I was right. really excited to watch Donny van der Beek get some game time and they both had to be sacrificed because of the because of the red card he went oh this is why we can't have nice things yeah I, <laughs> I feel like when new managers come into a side and you know they get credited for a new manager bounce or whatever that means I think a lot of the time they just end up doing the most simple obvious thing that every supporter of the club wants you know i'm just gonna play all of these guys i'm gonna put them in the right positions and we're gonna be a little bit better and everyone's just like see you know and sometimes when you're at a club too long or you know too many people telling you different things and overthinking things like me and fbl you just you you create problems that don't exist and i feel like that's kind of where where you're going with this the thing stuff. I think a lot about was after so you know interim Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes in yeah. December 28th his first game against Cardiff City they win 5-1 right and the entire the entire Mourinho tenure they don't score five goals and, uh, and Solskjaer does wild. that in his first game and I remember it was BT Sport just afterwards and they Wayne Rooney was there in, in a very nice title look uh, and they asked him, <laughs> what have you noticed there? And he goes, well, the thing I see is that Solskjaer's United are attacking with four players. Whereas under Van Gaal, we were attacking with two players at a time and we always had to take a touch. We couldn't shoot the ball. Yeah. And under Mourinho, we were attacking maybe two. You know, it was the guy crossing yeah. to Lukaku or passing to Lukaku and right. that was it. Whereas I was like, all of you, go. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that worked, right? That worked on this interim spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was definitely a point during that interim spell where it was looking really good. Then they have their first defeat against PSG. And you're going, ah, it's fine. I mean, 
he's an interim manager and he's faced the team with much better players. It happens. And then he had the league defeat against Arsenal. We're like, ah, it's kind of been common because United have been overperforming like she. Right. There was that game against Tottenham where De Gea makes something like 14 saves at yeah. Wembley and you're going, yeah. yeah, like this, this, this will run out. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, you know, everyone's got, you know, the stats nerds are going, this will run out. They probably shouldn't make Solskjaer manager and they should stick to their plan, which was when Mourinho left, there was a statement saying, we're going to get an interim manager, we're going to get a permanent, and then in the summer, we're going to get a permanent manager and a director right. of football. Right. And then what happened was they just made Solskjaer the permanent manager and then didn't get a director of football ever. And the, then, P- the PSG second leg happened. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which was completely unexpected and was really yeah. good, but also yeah. sort of went, well, you kind of got to give him the job now, which yeah. you know, at the time, made sense i could there was such a groundswell of emotion that that the you know club officials would have been very silly to not do it i can also right. say on a financial point it was cheaper to get Solskjaer than to go off and get another manager and to his credit Solskjaer has done really really good work in this almost three years he's been manchester united manager. there have been dips there have been definitely points in time where you go this guy's done yeah but Solskjaer has the way I've put it is there are loads of times in football where I'm watching Solskjaer United and I'm going, if you keep trying to play football this way, you're going to lose badly and it's mm-hmm. going to, it's going to be terrible. Like you need to stop doing it this way. Yeah. And every time I am approaching that critical mass, Solskjaer does something to change the this way. Now, one of the times he changed it this way was, well, here's this guy called Bruno Fernandes. So we're going to do this way, but quicker with a yeah. better, yeah. Yeah. We're going to do this way quicker and with a guy who's not Andreas Pereira. Buying super expensive good players yeah. can can do that. Buying super expensive players can make you sure you can keep doing this way. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's only now that Cristiano Ronaldo, Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane has arrived that you know they've hit this sort of critical mass where you're going, okay, well, you can't really improve in any more positions. Right. You've got to, you've got to sort of change the this way now, otherwise things get really bad. And look, and this is probably why I'm clamoring for a defensive midfielder because that's probably the next way you change the this way right. if you want right. to keep playing football is you get a better defensive midfielder to play next to Paul Pogba or you yeah, you get a better Nemanja Matic or you get a better Fred or you get a better Scott McTominay yeah. or you get a better Wan-Bissaka. But that's it now, right? Yeah. Or, you, or you get a better goalkeeper. There's maybe four, three positions where Solskjaer can keep doing the, well, spent more money. Because eventually you're gonna go. Yeah, it's it's like a constant catch up. It it always feels like I I do I sense that from you know fans on Twitter or whatever in our Discord and people just being like, yeah, we're just you know so and so away. We're this guy away. We're we get this guy. We're gonna challenge. And it's just at some point you gotta just do the stuff and get the points and stop being inconsistent. And from what I can tell. I feel like the majority of Manchester United supporters really like Ole and really support Ole and mostly want him to stay and think he's doing a great job. But supporters of the other top four clubs mostly think he's basically a caretaker manager and they're not going to win anything with him in charge. And I don't know where it really lies. Like, I, It's probably somewhere in between there and maybe we won't know until we're you know, until we're looking back after everything's done. But I'm just curious, like, what's your current barometer at for Ole? Like, is it, do you, yeah, it's, it's a hard question to ask. I've always, I've, I've, I've just taken to describing them as Ole's business casual reds. 
right? So <laughs> on the, shout shout out to Tosin, Nigerian scams, <laughs> uh, who who you know coined the term unserious, right? Yeah. So there are, ser- there are serious football teams. Yeah. There are, there are serious football teams. There are good football teams. Yeah. There are bad football teams, and there are unserious football teams. Right. And Manchester United are very unserious. Gotcha. And they have they have slowly stopped mucking around and got vaguely serious. But I keep saying they're probably business casual, right? They're smart casual. You know, if Manchester City and Liverpool are wearing suits, Ollie's got a decent pair of slacks, maybe some <laughs> flip flops. He's got a blazer, oh, no. but he's not wearing a shirt. And you're like, okay, like, fine, you can probably get into the restaurant. Yeah. The restaurant being the Champions League spots, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're like, you, you ain't, you're not putting you front of house, right? They're yeah. probably going to hide you in the back. Yeah. 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 Um, and there was a point. After United get knocked, so just after United get knocked out of the Champions League last season, after RB Leipzig, I was going, This is that was a proper like, you can't do this anymore. Like, yeah, this is this is your limit, you can't yeah. continue. And then United go on a great run, right? They they run up, they end up in January top place. Uh, they aren't there for too long, partially because Paul Popper gets injured. But I'm going, You know what? This is fun. And I've spent, you know, United fans have spent so long on the Van Gaal, Mourinho, and Moyes right. down bad. That there was definitely a point where I went, this is a decent team. They play entertaining football. There are definite shortfalls, but I am enjoying watching this now. Yeah. And as the season went on longer and longer and longer, I didn't have to squint as hard to figure out what on earth Solskjaer was doing. Right. And there were some frustrating results, but I went, but, and especially towards the end, I went, and I had the same thing of, you can't keep playing this way. But I knew the transfer window was coming up and that this way would change. Like Again, players were coming in. Improved. <laughs> and he, so this, so, you know, I come into this season going, you know what, Sancho's here. Play the same way because Sancho's on the right hand side. So it's going to open up so much space, baby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Varane, he's turned up and went, okay. I mean, that improved something, but like, I kind of want the defensive midfielder still. Yeah. And the defensive midfielder doesn't turn up. I went, I mean, this is very business casual. <laughs> But if they've, you know, I thought at the start of the season, I thought if Manchester United finish, like, you know, perfect world, best case scenario, Manchester United consolidate their place in second. Sorry, best case scenario, obviously, is United win everything. Right. My, you know, best case realistic, what realistic, is like happening yeah, was yeah. United probably consolidate second position, right? They're like, boom, we are the second best team in, in here. No more ifs, buts, or whatever. We are a consistent top four place. I'd have been, you know, I think at the start of the season, I thought Champions League quarterfinals, very reasonable expectation. Uh, and I thought if the cup run, if, if the cup draw was easy, they might be able to nick a FA Cup or nick, yeah. a, nick a League Cup. Because yeah. I think one thing, Oli's had some very bad. <laughs> it's like, oh, Manchester City again. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea the, again. <laughs> the draws are everything in this competition. Yeah, part of, so, part of the reason I think I have very little interest in any of them. So I thought, I thought, so, you know, second consolidate second place, Champions League quarterfinal, and then best like super best case, you win one of the domestic cups. And I thought I can even one one of the domestic cups, I'll be happy with second place, eighty right. eighty two points, and, right. and a quarterfinal. Right. And I think United are, you know, I think United probably will get eight points this season. I think that defeat to Young Boys is going to be, uh oh. Well, how are you going to get out of the group now? Right, you better, you better go out and beat young. You better go out and beat everyone else. Now. Yeah. Um. So that'll be fun. Uh, I did joke, sort of. Oh, I guess Ollie wants to do third times the charm with the Europa League. 
I mean, it does seem like I, from, again, you know, not a Manchester United supporter myself, it does seem like there's a constant way overreaction to everything also, which is... This is the thing with with all big clubs, of course. Yeah, yeah, I mean, young boys, it sucked. They went down a man, it's embarrassing, whatever. Liverpool lose group games. Like City lose group games. Like, it doesn't matter, really, you know... You know, for as a Liverpool supporter myself, if we lose to AC Milan today, it's not like, I mean, of course, AC Milan's better than Young Boys, but I'm not like, oh my God, we're screwed. We're not getting out of the group. Everything's a disaster. But that's all I'm seeing with the Young Boys match. All of Twitter is just a light with like, oh, again, like fraud, like not getting out of the group. I'm just like, yo, chill. <laughs> I think a lot of this also becomes from the the unspoken element to a lot of it, right? So mm. I am constantly going, Manchester United need to buy a new defensive midfield. Because yeah. what I'm actually saying is, if Manchester United want to keep playing this way, you need a defensive midfield. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? And I'm like, what, but why do you think that? Because I'm also going, Manchester United probably aren't going to stop playing this way because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't really seem to have any other ideas. Right. <laughs> which, which, you know, at some level, I'm like, that's fine. Just go out. It's true. You know? I'm very much like, Oli, that's fine. If you want to be tactics light, or tactically fluid, go for it. You do need the defensive midfielder, though. Yeah. Right? Right. right. And I think that's why you see some of these massive overreactions, because they're not saying the quiet part loud. Mm. They're saying the loud part loud, and then hiding the whatever bit. Which, so, when they're like, oh, God, we've lost the young boys. United aren't <laughs> going to wait and get a Champions League group. It's because you're also going, I don't trust Oli to beat Villarreal again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all the other anxieties right? come popping up with, oh, a, right. with a one bad result. Or I'm kind of really scared Oli's going to lose at Atalanta away from home because they're really <laughs> rapid on counter-attack. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the quiet bit. I got you. I hear you. Um, that makes sense to me now. I think, I think that's, I think, I mean, I, I think, I hope that's what's going on, right? Uh, and I think what's also... This is the problem with a lot of football, right? And a lot of all team sports is that you have a window. Mm. You have yeah. a win- you know, you get a championship so. window, right? So you, you probably get three to five years where you call your team. So to look at basketball right now, there was a three to five year stint where it looked like the Houston Rockets could probably win a title. Right. And they missed it because Chris Paul had an injured hamstring in 2018. And now they're tanking, right? It's 2021. They're, yeah. they're actively tanking. Yeah, yeah. Um. And when you get that call, you can extend that window by getting better players, mm. tweaking changes, bringing in new managers. Or if you don't do those things, the window shuts, you lost a turn. So Pochettino Spurs have a window between 2016 and 2018 to win something. Yeah. And then they didn't buy someone for a calendar year. And you're like, ah, oh, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Ollie's kept extending his window because he keeps mm-hmm. buying good players. But also everyone's going, you're hitting, you. well, no, no. Liverpool aren't going to go away. City aren't going to go away. Right. These ones aren't going to go away. And it's good. I think United now have dealt with the challenge from the North London clubs. Those two teams have fallen away in the top four race. Leicester City are maybe there, thereabouts. So like, yeah, cool. Well done. Yeah. You've, you've gone from duking out in the Europa League to, to getting that Champions League. But also that means, Oli, you can't win the Europa League no more. Right. Right, he he missed the expectations window. keep going up. Like as you extend the window, the pressure goes up and the yeah. expectations go up. And Oli's I mean, missed his window yeah. to win a Europa League. There, right, he, right, right. He, he probably should have made some changes in that single elimination game against Sevilla in 2019. Right, that, that game was winnable, very right. winnable. Right, it was very obvious from say the 60th minute that United didn't really have a plan other than 
Martial and Rashford just dribbling on the ground. And you're going, so, you know, bring on Agalo, start using his hold up play, maybe put some crosses in, whatnot. And I just kept going and it wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the, the final against Villarreal. And after that final against Villarreal, you're like, well, you've qualified for the Champions League now. If you end up in Europe League next season, you have a problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, so he's missed that. He's missed that Europe League window, which is yeah. again what, which is again that fear of. Okay, what's that weird thing of expectation? Where if I told you at the start of this season, hey, you know the time portal opens up, United are going to win the Europa League. I go, wait, what happened? Yeah, that's um, not that's not good enough anymore, right? Yeah, no, I mean that's <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how much that changes because before last season. In an alternate universe, if you were to say Manchester United finish second and win the Europa League, you're like, we're we're flying, you know, we're on the way up. We're we're clearly showing signs of improvement. You're a bit confused as to wait. You're going wait the Europa League again? Oh, yeah, well. a you little like, bit confused, again? but you're it's like, still again. But you also go, hey, we won. Whatever. We won and we got second. <laughs> yeah, incredible. That means we beat out one of City and Liverpool to second. Um, but yeah, it, it, things change, you know, so a lot of, that's why you're here. A lot of action, a <laughs> lot of action. <laughs> um, you mentioned the keepers. I wanted to just touch on that. I mean, Hendo, you know, was obviously the guy last season. Like we, we talked about already. De Gea has come in and started, I think every game this season so far. How do you see that shaking out? Is he now just the guy? Like, is Ole just, you're my guy now? And I'm giving you a big shrug, man. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. the main, the big reason why they, the big reason why this is now a nice problem again is because Dean Anderson tested positive for COVID 19. Right. And missed the majority of preseason. So he missed the training camp in Scotland and whatnot. And is, you know, he think he played in the other 23 game. Last week, right? But that, that's the first sort of ninety-minute bits of action he has. And he didn't travel as part of the Champions League contingent this this week, so it's gone back down to a nice problem. Mm, but Henderson will essentially, you know, Henderson will hopefully recover from COVID nineteen and regain full match fitness, and then yeah. it'll be a problem again. Because, right. and I've I've mentioned this two or three times. Everyone knows now you need to shoot early against David De Gea. Yeah, right. David De Gea's great strength throughout that 2015-14 pomp where he's winning four player of the years awards at United and whatnot when he puts in that 2017-18 season which is the greatest greatest it's the yeah. greatest season a goalkeeper's ever done in Premier League history right United didn't don't win a title yeah um, but it's like the greatest statistically speaking it covered oh. every deficiency in the entire team and management yep. He right. covered at literally everything. Right. So yeah. Jose Mourinho will constantly say, my greatest achievement was finishing second with that Manchester United team. <laughs> yeah. Mourinho did not do that. <laughs> no. No. That is not that is not Mourinho's achievement. That not is David De Gea playing out of his skin yeah. by nearly totally every agree. by nearly every single conceivable metric. Yeah. Manchester United should have finished fifth. Yes. That season. The difference yeah. is David De Gea went super sane four. Yeah. <laughs> and was saving everything. Everything. Right? Yeah. And then he became human again. Yeah. Because you can't you get no knackered. One, no you one get does figured that. out. And if you're in the thing about there was this really great video I once watched about the difference between 
the regular season in the NBA and the playoffs. And he, and this coach was saying, when you're in the regular season, fine, whatever, you're all good. But the moment you get reach the playoffs, every single opposition scout goes, what's the thing you're really good at? And they go, take it away from him. Yeah. Right. So right. if if you're good at shooting, off, you know, catch and shoot on the on the dribble, we're going to force you to dribble. Right. It's a thing. Just like it stops going from, oh, this guy's really good at this. We're like, here's a warning. It's it's what whatever he's good at. Don't in any circumstances right. let him do that. Well, it's like, sorry to cut you off, but I just remember I had Michael Cayley on a while ago after the Mo Salah's first season for Liverpool. He scored, you know, whatever it was, 34 goals, I think. And it was just like, oh, my God, we have the best player in the universe all of a sudden. And I remember asking him, like, you know, why, from, like, the statistic point of view, why isn't he going to do this again? You know, like, why isn't it possible? And one of the you know, to put it in like the most layman's terms ever is because no one ever does it again except Messi. And that's why he's Messi. Like, but the first time Messi had a Messi season, everyone was saying, well, he's not going to do that again. And then he just did it. And then I was like, well, he's probably not going to do that again as he gets older. And then he just did it. But, you know, De Gea just had a supersonic year. I mean, that just happens sometimes, but no, people don't just do that every season. Like that's no, not that's because, reserved for the only the greatest of all time. Because the league, the league catches up with you. Yeah, right. The league's supposed to catch up with you. You're supposed to get older. You're supposed to get wise. You're yeah. supposed to get tired. It's normal. Um, and it happens in the course of the season. And what happened was, De Gea got figured out. Right, De Gea's great strength in that season was his legs. He had this long back. He had this sort of octopus technique where one on one, he'd rush up against you, and when you're trying to figure out your shot. Get really big, and then he jut out a leg. Yeah, and he make that save. We all know the De Gea save. Yeah, right. And then what went around the league? The league went shoot before he does that. Mm. Right, shoot before he sorts his feet out. Like under mm. no circumstances allow him to get set and then make that shot. Right. So just all of these long range pingers just went in because everyone yeah. like, <laughs> like well, De Gea doesn't look ready. Shoot now. <laughs> Not fair. Now, <laughs> and what what should have happened? Yeah, on the late stage, Mourinho. What should yeah. have happened on the social was everyone was the manager would have gone. De Gea is not getting, not able to save these shots. The entire back four and the defensive midfield, you stop these shots at the course. Slows them down. Like yeah. if anyone looks like they're going to rev up a long range shot, you yeah. can't down on them. Yep. And they didn't. Yep. So then, you, not only do you have the thing where all these, a lot of these goals were going top bins out of nowhere, but you're having the thing where they were going to De Gea. De Gea was sort of spilling it. And then someone was getting the tap in, and you're going, "Oh, right. it's another De Gea mistake because right, De Gea was parrying right. De Gea Howler, yeah, De Gea Howler because De Gea was parrying it back into goal." But you're also going, "No, like, come on, why? Yeah. One of yeah. you, just be alive to the spillage." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this, and the, more so than any other position, goalkeeping is once you get figured out, they're going to do that to you all day, yeah. and you better adapt or die. And the problem with goalkeeping is it doesn't even necessarily have to be true. Right, and you are seeing it now constantly when you watch Manchester United and De Gea's in goal. Players are shooting early mm. to this day, right? So Luke yeah, Aiden yeah. scores in yeah. that league game. There was a get moment against Young Boys where one of the guys just like got on the boys, went, Whoa, De Gea, bang, yeah, yeah. And if it goes in, then it confirms the bias that De Gea can't shoot save right. long range. Even shots. if he if saves it, the next twenty of them, the twenty first goes in. Everyone's saying the same thing. It just keeps going and it keeps going, yeah. right? So one reason why Joe Hart is now playing for Celtic is because everyone figured out he can't save shots low and to his left. Mm. I didn't know that. 
I just and thought he got bad. I didn't know there was a specific reason. He got bad in a very, yeah. he got bad in a very specific way. Yeah, and the, shows I, what I know. I, once everyone figured it out, it became magnified and magnified and magnified, and everyone stopped trying to shoot in all directions. Mm. And that was the hardest thing. So they, they last season was you got to figure out this long shot thing. You got to learn how to be louder and yell at everyone else. Yeah, and you got to learn to make some. You need to learn how to play with your feet. De Gea knows how to pass with his feet more so than last season. He was a lot more confident in some games, but he also had some failings. So the game against Leipzig, Justin Kluivert gets that shot where you know De Gea probably should have made himself big like a bear, mm. and it was quite telling that the week afterwards, Dean Henderson has a chance, and Dean Henderson just smothers the guy. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which was a very much Henderson like, give me the give me the number one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also Henderson has his own things, right? So Dean Henderson spends the entire season at Sheffield United. And then is in goal against Sheffield United last season. Chris Wilder basically goes, swamp the six-yard box on corner kicks. Yep. Just pin him down. Don't yep. let that... Make him uncomfortable. Like, yep. Yep. And then that went round the league. So there were more games throughout last season where Dean Henderson was in the corner and they were just guys on his tiptoes, just like, I'm not going to let you move. Yeah. So, so Henderson has to deal with that one. How do you beat that one? And there are some very nasty ways you can deal with that. Or you can have... You can talk to Harry Maguire over him, but like this guy is standing on my tiptoes. Can you beat him up for me? Yeah, deal with cool. Um at this point in time, I think Henderson can do things the hair can't do. And even though that even though Henderson isn't perfect for what yeah. you might want to do, I think Henderson should start over He's the hair. Probably the way forward. Yeah. 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 I'm with you there. <clears throat> That's probably about enough Manchester United, right? I think we went there a little. Do you want to touch on FPL at all? Are you playing this year? How's your team looking? What's going on? I am on? playing. I am playing. Yeah. I have, uh, let's, let me look right now. Yeah, I've got let's two check out your United. team. I've got two Manchester United players in here. I'm going to imagine that it's Greenwood and Ronaldo. It is Greenwood and Luke Shaw. Greenwood and Shaw. I am, uh, I've had a no Ronaldo rule on FPL okay. for quite a few years. Wow. Okay. Uh, so the, the great season where he sort of comes alive for United in 07, 08. Uh, I don't have him in my team. Yeah. So I was, I was winning my, my mini league. Yeah. I had like a, a Fabregas centric team. Okay. And then there's that weekend where Ronaldo just goes ridiculous and beats up Newcastle. And I was the only guy in the team that, in the league that just didn't have Ronaldo. Oh, no. I, was, I got decimated. Uh, and in the end, I basically relented, got Ronaldo in. But by that point in time, he was so expensive that I had to cheapen everything else. And everyone and all, owned him already. And everyone owned him already, so I could never win. Uh, and ever since then, I went, no more Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, he ruined, he cost me an FPL league title once. Yeah, so, it's a good, so it's a good like, policy. I'm, I'm for it. I'm anti-Ronaldo. But... So I, as a rule, I'm, I don't have Ronaldo in my FPL sides. I respect so, that a lot. Um, so right now, uh, I finished, I played my wild card over the international okay. break. Uh, okay. Not because I wanted to. Okay. But because Interesting. Um, the situation involving the internationals at Brazil, Argentina, and South America was so confusing, I just went, "All right, I'll just I'll play it now. I'll get everyone. I'll get everyone yeah. who's out, out, out. I'll get some yeah. guys in." Bit of uh, so I finished. I finished. Uh, I've got two hundred and sixty-three points overall. I got finished game week four with sixty-five. Okay. So uh, the average this week was fifty-seven. Yeah. So okay, fine. Uh, I had uh, Steer on my bench from Aston Villa, part two of the Aston Villa <laughs> thing. So if you have one goalkeeper for a club, you should probably have the number two, is my yep. thing. Yep, classic. I normally have Martinez. Martinez couldn't play. Put him out, put in Steer. Eric Dyer 
got injured in the first 15 minutes. I have died too. Only one point. Um, Luke Shaw got five points, got an assist. Yep. Newcastle. Shaw will probably be in my team for the entirety of the season. I think Ronaldo will elevate his assist total. And This is what I was thinking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think if United are going to keep attacking on that left-hand side. Yep, exactly. Uh, and Shaw's the best crosser and he takes the set corner kick. So I think yep. you'll get quite a few assists. I'm with you there. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, was my vice captain. Got 12 points for me. Trent's going to be in my team for the entirety of the season, I reckon. Same. I mean, Shaw Same and Trent man. are going to be like, you're going to be on my team unless you're injured. Right. Uh, midfield, uh, Pablo Fornells was my first sub uh, came in, got three points. I thought West Ham would have a good game. Didn't quite happen. Yep. Uh, Diogo Jota, three points for Liverpool. I was kind of disappointed there. Could have had 300 points, finishes on three. Yeah. 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 The Mari Gray, I brought him in with my wild card, got seven. So I saw him at the start he's, of the season. He's killing went, it. This guy's killing it. Yeah. And, uh, just so just before the international break started, I went, I'm going to. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to pull the trigger early and get him in now rather than Love wait it. a week to see Love if it's it. over variant. So got the Murray Gray in, seven points. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, 16 points, was my captain. Bruno Fernandes, again, probably going to be another guy I'm going to have in all season, I think. So you don't think Ronaldo will negatively impact his FPL returns, like the penalties and just the amount of shots and the ball hogging and that kind of stuff? I am concerned about that on yeah. a footballing sphere. Yeah. I think at the moment, the way FPL works, you probably need to have one of Bruno Fernandes or Mo Salah. Mm. At this point in time in FPL, mm. you should either have Mo Salah or you should have Bruno Fernandes in your team because De Bruyne is injured at the moment. And like, you want one heavy hitter midfielder. Yeah, I mean, the I'll tell you, like the pulse of the FPL community has transitioned from that to you probably need Ronaldo, Lukaku, and Salah. That's that's, that's the current thing. Who else like, are you going to put in there? Ugh, four Demari, million defenders everywhere. Damari Gray, and there are four million. Livermento and guys like that. that and Ga- Conor Gallagher, et cetera. That's, that, that's like the meta right now. I'm just, you know, the, the meta you is know. All about, The meta is all about haymakers, man, where I like good footwork. I like jabs, though. Yeah. Southpaw stuff. Uh, this so, might not be the game for you and I. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I, Mason Greenwood got yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, so Greenwood is my, if Bruno, if Bruno Fernandes is the Batman of my midfield, then Mason Greenwood's the Robin. Okay. Uh, up front, I got stung by Antonio. Hmm. Yeah, brought, him, him brought him in, brought him in for my wild card, um, and he finished with negative one. Um, and uh, Romelu Lukaku got thirteen points. Yeah, Lukaku is going to be in my FPL. Uh, all, at least you have Lukaku all season. You love Lukaku, yeah, I know I that love, about you. I, I called him my. I've been calling him my son since two thousand seventeen, <laughs> maybe earlier than that. Like if he scores, I tend to go my son. I adore him, my baby uh, boy. I've, I've had him in my FPL since. The West Bromwich album days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're so, huge, we're huge Lukaku guys. So, so he's, yeah, he's 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 staying in there all season. Uh, on the nice. bench, Martin, Martinez zero points. Christensen zero points. I really yeah. thought he'd play. Um, yeah. Livermento got six points. There you go. Oh, missed you're, out. You're close. You're close to the meta. You're the no Ron. We'll see how that goes for you. I'm mm-hmm. I'm more on your side. I just severely dislike the man. And I just don't want him in my team, but it might go very poorly for us. But you oh, know, yeah. we, we, we just got to take that on the chin and just. I'm 
I'll we move. move. We move. Yeah. We move. We move. <laughs> we move. Um, and then just the last thing I wanted to ask about. So this book with Marcus Rashford, you are a champion. Tell, tell me about it. I don't know much about it. I don't know how it came about. How did it come from your end? Did he, did he text you? Did he DM you? He's showing it off right now for those not watching on YouTube. But we'll yeah, like, where, where did this come from? Oh, the poster too. Nice. Every time I'm on Love press it. conference. Love it. Um, how did it come about? Uh, so I, really quickly. Right? Yeah. So we're talking... Marcus Rashford scores a hat trick against RB Leipzig in the Champions League. And I'm on social media going, oh man, I love Marcus Rashford. He's amazing. <laughs> uh, and I have no idea that in two to three weeks, I'll be contacted being told, would you like to write his book? <laughs> um, so I'd say, I mean, I've, I've always had an interest in writing books and, and telling stories. So I initially went to, I don't have a formal journalism degree. And this is when all the comments go, I knew it. That's why it's crap. <laughs> but um, I went to uni to be a screenwriter. I went to make movies. Um, I got my degree in trade writing and whatnot. So that's probably why all my articles don't read like traditional journalist reports, <laughs> um, for better or worse. You say so, things like unserious and we yeah, move. And <laughs> yeah, I, I described Diogo Dallo as perfectly prominent. <laughs> so this is all going on. Uh, and around about 2017, I really good conversations with, with some book agencies who, who were interested in possibly representing me if I ever want to buy a book, buy a book, I want to create, <laughs> create a book. Yeah. Um, and throughout 2017, 18, 19 and, and the parts, you know, to start of 2020, I had discussions about possible books I might write, uh, some were fiction, some were nonfiction. I had a talk with two professional athletes about possibly writing their autobiographies. Uh, one of them is a former Premier League winning football player. Mm. The other one is a former Premiership winning rugby player. Cool. Uh, and those didn't come about due to, you know, COVID happened and whatnot. Uh, so I got a phone call late October from, I got a message late October from my agent saying, we need to talk. I'm like, oh God, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting released. Uh, and they informed me that um, Macmillan had had a conversation with Marcus Rashford and Marcus Rashford was interested in writing a book. Uh, and, and sort of a signal went round to a whole bunch of people saying, would you like to be put forward as a possible candidate to write Marcus Rashford's book? And I went, yeah, you know, I'm gone. You know, I'm sort of half eating a hot dog and not paying attention. <laughs> I've got one, one thing on this. Like, yeah, go on, put a name in the list. Thinking, yeah, yeah. I think in the ecosystem of The Athletic, I'm probably the fourth most talented person to write a book for Marcus Rashford. Again, <laughs> cue the jokes in the comments. But I thought, yeah, I'm not. I said I'm not as good as this person, this person, this person. Right, right, right. To write this book, so I doubt I'll be better than these fifty imaginary people to write the book. So I thought I'll put my name forward. I probably won't come to anything. And then I say two weeks later, I was midway through a podcast uh, of Wrighty's House with Ian Wright. Yeah, so I was midway through that, and I get an phone notification it's a little bit where I sort of look down and I make a strange sound effect and everyone's looking at what what just happened I'm like, I'll tell you when we stop recording yeah so I went, guys 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 look at my phone I'm gonna write in this book amazing <laughs> um so that was you know the announcement is made in November 8th and then incredible 
the book came about in three months, which wow, that's really quick. As a as a rule, don't write a book in three months. It's yeah, really hard. Your <laughs> yeah. hair falls out and yeah. you get really stressed out. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it was amazing. It was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Marcus was an absolute delight to work with, and it was really nice to just to talk to him all the time about not just football but life, family, overcoming adversity, dealing with challenges. You, you know your hopes and dreams. And uh, your favorite biscuits and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got a deep affinity for Marcus Rashid, and I'm really happy and humbled by just the reaction the book's gone out there. You know, every now and again, I check Marcus's Twitter feed, and there's just all these photographs of awesome, really nice children going. I don't normally like reading books, but I've read your book. Or parent, yeah. parents saying, "Oh, my kid only plays Ultimate Team, but they read your book." Or um, when schools say we're going to give a copy of a book to everyone as they leave this year. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I wrote a book with Marcus Rashid and it's called You're a Champion. It's in stores now. Uh, I think it's pretty good. And quite a few people think it's pretty Incredible, good. Incredible, dude. Congrats. That's, that's, that's really amazing. That's awesome. Um, where's, well, first of all, thanks so much for coming back on. But also, where's the best people? Where's the best place for people to buy you are a champion? And then also, where can people, you know, read your normal day to day work? Where can people hear you on podcasts, follow you on social media, all that stuff? Uh, you can get you are a champion from any place you get. You know, all good bookstores in the United Kingdom, at least. If you yeah. are looking, if you listen to this uh, international, uh, the best place is probably to go to the Pan Macmillan website uh, gotcha. and get international sales there uh i know i know a u.s edition will be coming in spring uh cool. which will be fun because we're gonna marcus and i are gonna write like an extra chapter in there as we sort of oh, explain nice. as we sort of explain soccer to america explain biscuits aren't the uh big fluffy things and, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm looking forward to trying to having to you know trying to explain the league cup yeah, if you want to run anything through me, like I could be your Google Translate on this, you know, sure. like, put this in NFL terms, put this in baseball terms, so they understand I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that that'll be coming out sometime in the spring next year. Uh, if you, I'm on Twitter at Anchorman six one six. Anchorman spelled A N K A, my surname, man number six one six. The six one six. Yes, it is a Marvel reference. Um, <laughs> so you can find me on social media there. Uh, I write for the Athletic. I cover Manchester United. Uh, so the idea at the Athletic is I write twice a week on Manchester United. And then once a week, I write a general column. Yeah. Sometimes that general column is just me writing about Manchester United from a different angle. Sometimes it's me writing about FIFA. Sometimes it's me writing about a footballing documentary I just watched. Mm. Um, sometimes it's me writing about CT in what football. Sometimes it's me yeah. writing about, hey, have you seen how weird the Champions League draw is? <laughs> um, so these are all things we've written about as well. Uh, so you can... You, know, you can subscribe to the athletic right now. I think we've got a discount code. It's 33% off if you use the code theathletic.com slash Man United Pod. Okay. That's cool. I've got a Manchester United podcast called uh, Talk of the Devils, which is presented now by Ian Irving, who you might see on the Premier League broadcast if you're based in the United States. So it's me, Ian Irving, host Laurie Bookwell, who's the other Manchester United reporter for the athletic, and Andy Mitten, who is our contributing writer and is the editor of United We Stand. All lovely, lovely folks. Uh, I also contribute to Wrighty's House, which is the right. which is Ian Wright's podcast where he hosts, and it's me, Ryan Han, Musuk Wonga, Floyd Lloyd Hughes, Myra, and Jeanette Quache as well. 
Uh, and I'm, other than that, I'm just like asleep because I do all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks again, and uh, good luck and everything. Thanks, Talk buddy. to you soon. Talk to you soon. <laughs>